We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. And as I mentioned before the break, the DART mission, it was launched last year to test, really to test a a theory that we can nudge a killer asteroid out of the way in the event one is heading towards the Earth. Now, we know that the DART spacecraft impacted the asteroid last week, but was it successful? And in fact, we didn't know anything about this until today. So to answer this and many more of my my, of my nerd questions, because I just love these kinds of conversations. I reached out to a friend of the show, astrophysicist Dr. Ryan Ogliori, Ph.D. He's assistant professor of physics at Washington University. Hey, Dr. Ogliori, thanks again for uh, joining us on X. Yeah, great to be back. Thank you. Uh, before we get into the specifics of what we learned today, just kind of give us a, a refresher course on a level that we can understand uh, about the general idea behind the DART mission. Yeah, so the idea, as you said, is right. So this is a planetary defense mission. Um, the primary objective is to protect us humans from an asteroid headed our way. We don't have um, a, a great engineered solution for that. All these things kind of seem simple. We've seen movies about this before. But the reality of it needs to be tested. So that was the goal of this mission, about $320 million, so pretty cheap in, uh, in the guise of space missions. Uh, and there's some cool secondary science that comes out of this, too, about impacts and how asteroids are put together, their kind of material properties. And that stuff is interesting to me, too, as well. Oh, sure. And and you mentioned the movies. And, and listen, Armageddon is one of my favorite movies, even though there's no science in that absolutely whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but uh, but in, in those kinds of Hollywood movies, uh, asteroids are blown up with, with a nuclear detonation. But obviously that introduces in real life a host of new issues. Does this DART mission, this idea of nudging an asteroid with a spacecraft, is, does that represent a safer choice to protecting the planet? Yeah, I think it, it's a better way to go. Granted, you can do it far enough in advance. So we need enough uh, advance warning to see something headed our way. And given that, uh, a kinetic, as they say, a kinetic impactor, it's just an object moving at you know very spa- fast speeds in space, like five miles a second. If we have enough time, uh, then this is the right way to go. And we move it just a little bit, and it's got a long 
mm-hmm. essentially a long lever arm that we move it a little bit very far from Earth. And over the course of, of you know, a few years by the time or six months or a couple years, by the time it gets to Earth, it will have missed Earth. So that, that's the ideal thing. Granted, we can see it far enough in advance, and that works for asteroids. The thing that scares me more are long-period comets coming in from the Oort cloud because they, they're very dark. They come at us very, very fast. And something like this, maybe, I don't know, it might not work. <laughs> so so to put it in baseball terms, instead of it being an off-speed pitch from an asteroid, this is a fastball that we just don't see coming. That's right, yeah. And so it's coming from far away, and it's got this long orbit, and it's it's relatively dark, and comets get brighter as they get closer to the sun, but they also get faster. So that's like the that's the real threat to me. Um, but as we saw with this DART mission, it was very cool. So we hit the asteroid, and then we got a little bonus boost from it because it, it had this jetting effect, and a comet would have even more of that. And I think that was one of the coolest things we learned from that, that you know, if the body's icy, we get a little boost from it because it kind of has its own rockets that really help us um, move its trajectory even more. And I think that's probably the most important thing we learned from this. We're, we're talking to astrophysicist Dr. Ryan Ogliori from Washington University. And we did see last week when the impact happened and, and we got to see some very cool video as, as the DART spacecraft was, was making that kinetic impact uh, with the asteroid. But what information did we learn today? Yeah, so today I think uh, the news that came out today is that it moved the orbit by, you know, two to three times more than they thought it would. So this is the DART stands for double asteroid. So this is uh, a smaller asteroid orbiting a bigger asteroid. And the reason that this spacecraft targeted that was that we could see very, very small changes in its orbit more easily because we, we can calculate that orbit around that larger asteroid. So that's about 12 hours. And, you know, we thought it might change that orbit by 10 minutes if we're fortunate, if we hit it right in the middle. Um, but it changed it by more like 30, 32 minutes. So it was even more than we thought, which is great news. Right. So explain what that means, because as I was reading that, I, I think the asteroid that the DART spacecraft impacted was called Dimorphos. But it, yep. as you mentioned, it, it shortened uh, it, it shortened that orbit, or its trajectory rather, by 32 minutes instead of 10 minutes. But what does that mean in layman's terms? In other words, why was this such a success? Yeah, it seems like a relatively simple physics problem. This is why I like this stuff so much, because it seems so simple at the, at the surface. Like, I'm hitting an object with another object, and, you know, going back to intro physics, we're transferring momentum. It's mass times its velocity vector. Um, but it's way more complicated than that because the material properties of the asteroid matter. If it has ice beneath its surface, other things like that will cause pluming and what we call impact jetting. And this can either add or possibly take away from that momentum transfer. So it's this beautifully complicated problem that seems simple on the surface and could lead to an effect that's three times larger than we thought based off of like the physics we knew at the time. So it was surprising, it was surprising in a good way. And it tells us lots about asteroids too, which I like to hear as well. Whenever we talk about trajectories, I'm reminded in in the 1980s, uh, there was a Korean Airlines aircraft that mistakenly flew uh, over the Soviet Union and it was shot down. And Mm -hmm. I remember reading about this aircraft because it had the smallest, minutest, 
error in its in its guidance system. But when you mm-hmm. multiply that over 2,000 miles of a trip, that small, minute error became a very large trajectory miscalculation uh, because of the distance involved. So when we're, when right. you're talking about the situation where uh, uh, the trajectory of an asteroid is going to be altered, even though it seems like it may be a small amount, over a distance, that's going to get larger and larger, isn't it? That's right. So we need to move it by thousands of miles, 10,000 miles by the time it gets to Earth. And if we can hit it, you know, uh, very far away, it's essentially that that long triangle with that long leg being the distance from us to the asteroid. And so that's why uh, a relatively simple mission like this will work as long as we can detect these things early. And that's the hard part because we can't just kind of see them accidentally. You know, it's not going to be like the movies where somebody in their backyard spots these things with a (laughs) telescope because they're small and they're dark and they're moving close to the sun and they're very hard to see. So there are new telescopes coming online that are specifically dedicated to planetary defense. Shockingly, this is a relatively new um, uh, priority for NASA, um, defending our home planet, which seems like a good idea. Um, so as long as we have that, we're doing okay. And again, that's why the, the Oort cloud comets are, are the real threat to me, I think. Mm, I understand that. So we're we're talking to astrophysicist Dr. Ryan Ogliori from Washington University. And, and in the couple of minutes we have left here, Doctor, I wanted to switch topics slightly because you and I, we've talked about the James Webb Telescope on several occasions. But the original space telescope, Hubble, it's still out there getting it done. But is there a problem right now with the orbit of Hubble? Yeah, so Hubble um, is orbiting around the Earth, unlike James Webb, which is um, orbiting the sun and further from the Earth. And so anything that orbits the Earth, you know, the atmosphere just doesn't end suddenly. It's kind of a a gradient. So there's a little bit of atmospheric gases where Hubble is orbiting, and that's causing it uh, drag on on the telescope and causing that orbit to decay. And so that happens naturally. And back when we had uh, the space shuttle, we would go up and attach the space shuttle to Hubble and fire the shuttle's thrusters and move that orbit back up to its nominal altitude, which is about 350 miles. Um, So since 2010, I think, is when the the shuttle um, was decommissioned. 2009 was the last mission to to Hubble. So since then, it's degraded a bit. And if we don't do anything about it, we'll lose Hubble in uh, 10 years or so, end of next decade. So um, there, there needs to be some kind of fix, else we will lose the Hubble Space Telescope, which really is a complement to James Webb, right. and James Webb isn't meant to replace Hubble. Right, because we, we've talked before, they, the, the James Webb really operates on different wavelengths than does Hubble. That's right, yeah. James Webb um, looks mostly in the infrared, so these are longer wavelengths, and we see these really cool pictures from James Webb that look sharper, Sometimes you can see comparisons between Hubble and James Webb, and that's because James Webb can see through the dust. That longer wavelength light can see through the dust where the Hubble sees the dust, but it also can see some different physics, different processes that James Webb can't see. So we really need both of them to do the best science. Now, I understand that NASA is actually maybe at the very beginning stages of talking to SpaceX. What do you know about what's being discussed with SpaceX? Yeah, so I think the idea is to kind of have SpaceX do what the space shuttle Atlantis did in 2009. So they would go up there, 
possibly with a crew, um, and attach um, the Dragon capsule to the Hubble Space Telescope and lift it back up to that orbit of about 350 miles. It's about 320 miles right now, or 330. So um, basically that SpaceX Dragon, uh, Dragon capsule would take the place of the space shuttle mm -hmm. to do that lift maneuver. And of course, there's an enormous amount of engineering involved, and that's what they're going to do over the next few months and figure out if this is possible. And if they need a crew up there, I imagine they do. I can't picture how they do it without a crew um, to do that. Uh, and you, you, if you remember the Hubble servicing missions um, from the 90s, um, those guys trained and women trained for many, many months to do that. So it was an incredibly complicated thing. And I hope that these, uh, it's called Polaris. So the Polaris is the, the crewed type of mission that uh, SpaceX would enlist to do that. I hope they would do the same, the same kind of training. Is there any possibility that Bruce Willis could be on that flight? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, William Shatner went up William and uh, <laughs> Jeff Bezos thing, so anything's possible, Anything I guess. Anything is possible. And, and, and Dr. Oglieri, thank you so much for taking time with us, but if this is successful, let's just uh, spitball here for a moment. If we can use a SpaceX craft like the space shuttle and move this up into a higher orbit, would that then extend the lifetime of the Hubble Space Telescope? Yeah, it would give us, you know, 20, 30 more years. Wow. Um, and this thing can do such fast science. And just like James Webb, like astronomers like me uh, apply for time for Hubble and like I want two days on Hubble and I could do all this amazing science. It would take me three years to publish all this. So it can work so fast. It's still cutting edge. And I really hope they can do it. Well, me too. And I'm thrilled that you take the time to talk to us, Dr. Ogliori. Of course, you're with uh, uh, Washington University, uh, an astrophysicist there. Thank you so much for taking time with us this evening here on KMOX. Great. Thank you, Red. Uh, I want to open the phone lines up. We're going to go to a break here. But what do you think about this? these two things that we talked about? We're defending the planet but from asteroids. We're sending, maybe sending up a, a SpaceX craft to push Hubble into a higher orbit. These are really cool things, and they're happening right now in real life. What do you think about that? 314-436-7900. Call or text at your service. Brad Young in with you this evening. Don't go away. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.